The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're live. One, two, What's up, everybody? Welcome to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and taking personal bye weeks. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy on Twitter. He is Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Whew, all right, exhale. We, we're coming off a little bit of a of a of a downturn, but we have a, a bye week in here, not a full bye week. Um, how are you feeling after some time to reflect, Jordan? Uh, definitely needed it. Got some kind of, got some recovery time in. You know, got my mind right, got my body right. It had been a tough couple week, uh, tough couple weeks there. Uh, you know, drinking my way through some of these losses. So um, definitely needed a nice weekend to chill out with the family. Uh, you know, renormalize the vibes a little bit and, and get ready for Thursday. Um, what about you? Yeah, so I've been I've been out of the country since uh, I was somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean during the Texas game, um, and and just getting back into the state. So I, you know, I got to unplug. Uh, turns out college football isn't too popular in Italy, so wasn't watching much except through my, um, you know, the ESPN app here and there, and also the time difference kind of made it difficult. So um, was a little shocked to you know be walking around Rome college football Saturday starting and, and no one seems to know. I, I felt like that meme, you know, like the dude at the back of the party and he's like, nobody knows. I was like, nobody even knows Kansas has game day today. Like you guys are just living your life. And I'm, I'm out here like trying to find some Wi-Fi to check, check some scores. But uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good uh, decompress. And of course I, I have to tell the story of, of you know, watching the, the game on the flight was, uh, so you have to pay for Wi-Fi on the flight I'm on. It's forty dollars for the whole flight to get streaming quality, and it's still not even great streaming quality. It's like three twenty or whatever. Like not not great. And uh, yeah, I've spent forty dollars in better ways. Um, <laughs> maybe we should have just popped the Benadryls on to sleep a little earlier. But um, the woman beside me became very interested in the game. Did not know anything about college football, but um, she she definitely was. The fourth quarter, she was like, oh, they're, they're starting to come back. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Just let's not talk about the game. She was like, I'm sorry if I'm, she's telling me stories. And I'm like, she's like, I'm sorry if I'm distracting you from the game. I was like, I, it's whatever at this point. Like, it's I very don't welcome. <clears throat> yeah, let's like, I'm just going to shut this and go to sleep. So, um, yeah, so a, a little college football refresher. I'm caught up, you know, 
got all the highlights, got the, I like watching college football final, watch some, some condensed games and, uh, you know, refreshed and ready. We got, we got a game this week. We got a game on a short week. Well, I mean, it's a bio short week, but you know, a game for Thursday for fans is always fun. You know, you get in the kind of later part of the week. It's a, uh, I don't know. I like the kind of change up, but we've been doing it a lot this year. We have, dude. It's been nice to get back on Thursdays after a little bit of a hiatus, man. I feel like we kind of we kind of own Thursday nights there for a little while. Um, definitely during the uh, during the you know the latter latter part of the Big East era there, um, and even into the you know to the first part of the Big Twelve. I feel like we still had some Thursday night kind of deals, but um, but yeah, man. I I love playing in prime time, early earlyish kick too, seven p.m. Not even a seven thirty. So you know we're gonna be. Uh, getting underway in twilight. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit of weather in the area, but hopefully cleared out by then. So it should be a nice, a nice evening in Morgantown. Um, got Baylor coming to town. They haven't beaten us in Morgantown yet. So hey, um, I'm Dude, ready to rock and roll. If you're a student, I mean, if you're going to the game anyway. But I mean, if you're a student, like a night game on a Thursday, Milan Postcard, like that's fun. I don't care how good your team is. Um, that that's just a fun environment. So yeah, it's exciting. Obviously, this is our third one out of the first six games, but first one at home. So yep. Uh, wish I was there. I'm sure it'll be a fun environment and uh, be especially fun if we can knock off the defending Big Twelve champs. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that. We're gonna do a little Baylor preview a little later on. Um, obviously, no review or recap of the West Virginia game, but I think as usual, we'll do a little Big Twelve recap. Then we'll talk a little Big 12 precap, what's coming up this week, and then uh, big break down the Baylor Bears. That's kind of a tough thing to say. Baylor Bears beats yeah. so, Battlestar right. Galactica. <laughs> I did watch some Office on the on the plane. I actually hadn't watched it. Yeah, that's a, a good while, one. So. Yep, yep. So we'll pass the time. So, All right, cool. So, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and get into Big 12 recap. I mean, I think of the slate this weekend – of games I did not watch live, the most shocking score to check when I woke up was uh, Texas winning forty nine to nothing mm. in the Red River Shootout. Um, I mean, wow, that was just—I didn't see that coming. And we—we, we, uh, I think we talked about it a couple times on this pod. You can uh, weave this set of truths to yourself, and you're like, "Well, we did just lose to Texas, who beat Oklahoma." 49 to nothing buddy so. we're we're possibly i mean who's to say we're not the best two and three team in the history of college football look at look at who we've lost to out here you know we lose to Pitt on the road some fluky bullshit and you know we lose to kansas before anybody knows who kansas is nobody's seen any tape we get full flight jalen daniels we lose to te- you know we're, we're texas's get right game unfortunately and now you know they're just a death machine um but yeah no, I mean, hey, if I have to hitch my wagon to Texas being awesome, that's that's something I can do. If it, you know, my mental well being, that's fine. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate, I guess, but also, you know, they are the 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 mathletes really like them, and a lot of these composite rankings, they're they're starting to be really high. I mean, I think there's clearly that top three in college football, but yep. um, there is. Um, there is kind of a composite score of a lot of different people's models, a lot of statistical models, and they have Texas at four right now. I mean, like definitely yeah. not top three, but sitting as the next team up there, um, which is just crazy. So, you know, uh, Texas is back and surely nothing bad will happen the rest of the season to Texas. I mean, <laughs> dude, you know, they're going to do some dumb shit at some point. Like it feels like, but you know, maybe I, I kind of, 
Shad on the on the Alabama game. I said maybe Alabama didn't give them their best shot, got a bunch of penalties. I mean, maybe Texas Texas made Alabama look kind of bad. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the models I've seen, kind of like you said, there's that top three, um, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, but then there's like a next tier. And no matter what model you look at, Texas is in that next tier of teams. Um, however big or small it is, you know, whether it's just another three, whether it's another, you know, maybe another 10 teams, but, but everybody has Texas kind of in that, um, in that second tier where, you know, maybe if they, it's going to be a, a, you know, a big mountain to climb at this point after they lost to Texas Tech. But man, if they just had the one lost Alabama and then ran the conference, ran the slate, they could be looking at a, at a CFP berth, you know, just with how good they've looked. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh. I thought, you know, I didn't, I was watching TCU Kansas for this game uh, or well during this game. Um, but when I went back and kind of watched the condensed game man, Oklahoma moved the ball a little bit in the first, first part of the game. Um, they were in Texas's end of the, <clears throat> on Texas's half of the field a couple times in the first half, never did anything with it. And and that was that man, you know, um, and on, it honestly felt a lot like watching our game where it's just like, dude, you like, if you if you don't hold serve with these guys right now, you're just going to get blown off the field, and that's and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and we talked about it in the preseason. I mean, it's been the same for you know several years now. But Texas is not short on talent, especially no. offensively. I mean, um, pitching the shutout. I mean, I, I think that's was the most impressive to me. Is like we you know if you told me they scored 49 coming in, I'd totally believe you. They have the firepower. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this was just. For a rivalry game, and you know, I guess the last time, most likely, this will be in the Big Twelve. You know, quite the statement on their way out. Um, but you know, just to note, Texas and Oklahoma—they've only won. You know, obviously, somebody had to win this game. Oklahoma lost their other two, and Texas only won one of their other ones, and it was against us. So, um, still, the SEC teams are are not doing too hot. They still have a losing combined record <laughs> in their final year in the conference. So. Um, I, I think everyone, including the hateful eight of the remaining Big 12 teams, are, are rooting for their demise. So um, let's not crown Texas yet. They still have to face uh, Kansas, you know. <laughs> Kansas. Which is, which is maybe a good segue to TCU Kansas. Right. So um, Kansas getting game day. Lawrence, Texas. Like I said, I'm walking around Rome and I'm like, do you guys not understand that Kansas is 5-0 and right now? And uh, it's just... You know, it's unbelievable. Jalen Daniels. Let me tell you about Jalen Daniels. <laughs> Seriously, like, um, just what a what a turnaround for the program. It's just definitely a moment. They've definitely cashed in on the um, optimism. You know, I saw they got those huge. It's like three hundred million dollar improvements um, for the football stadium in the next few years. So, like, you know, they they definitely like have taken a step. Yep. You know, as for the as for the game, TCU offense continues to be solid, continues to move the ball. Um, you know, this is this is a team that is gonna like kind of like what we were talking about, Texas offense. Like this team could put up 40 on anyone. Maybe putting up 40 on Oklahoma is not a big deal, but like I, I think this team's gonna be um able to beat pretty much anyone in the conference. So um though the narrative probably was mostly on Kansas, you know, TCU. TCU, Sonny Dykes, like this is a this is a legitimate team. Um, you know, a lot of times seasons like this, you start out five and zero. West Virginia's done it before. Started out five and zero or six and zero, and season ends, you know, still pretty close to five hundred. Yeah, that's still possible, uh, but quite the start for TCU, um, outlasting them there in, in Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of good teams left to play for for the Frogs, right? I mean, you know, you beat. 
you beat Kansas and and they to hey to Kansas's credit they were competitive even after Jalen Daniels got hurt um, at the end of the first half. Um, <clears throat> you know, I honest I thought TCU was lucky to be up at halftime. I don't know how much of the game or how closely you watched the game, but man, Kansas is going in going in to score a touchdown and and Daniels fumbled on the half yard line and. TCU, you know, drove at 99 yards in like seven, six, seven plays and and, and scored to, to go up 10. Kansas, I think, missed a field goal as well. So, you know, very easily could have been, you know, 17-10, 14-10, something like that at halftime. Um, but, yeah, I think, man, so, yeah, a lot of good teams for TCU still to play. For Kansas, man, what does it mean? Daniels, uh, you know, I saw a thing today on Twitter that uh, he's out for the season, but then it sounds like, uh, you know, he kind of like Daniels himself tweeted and said, huh, you know, that's news to me. I don't know about that. Um, posted a picture of himself with Lance Leipold in the office, big smile on his face. And for somebody with a hurt, hurt, uh, hurt shoulder, you know, he's doing kind of the Will Ferrell live in the dream meme thing, <laughs> um, which, you know, I don't know if that's something you do with a separated with a separated shoulder joint. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen there? Um you know, tech, Kansas, it was going to be tough for them anyways going forward. You know, I, I think we kind of have talked about it on here. What was the sustainability of this team once people got a little bit of tape on them? I think we've seen a little bit of that. It's been tougher for them the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what do you see? Like, can this team still be competitive if Daniels is out for any, any you know, significant period of time? Or do they need him to come back to, to kind of keep this thing rolling? Yeah, I mean... I think same thing we just said with TCU is like you can start out five and zero and you can still end the season yeah. six and six, um, and especially in this conference, like it, it can happen. Um, I, I do think that Jalen Daniels gave them versatility that Bean is not going to give them, and you know sometimes you get this. This happens all the time. You get a backup in a game, and you weren't game planned for him, and maybe he has a different skill set, and maybe he can exploit you for a couple drives. But um, I don't think when you get a little bit of tape and time to prepare for Bean you you feel as threatened as you did with the offense run by Jalen Daniels. So it stinks for Kansas. You wanted them to have a fair shake this year, but um, also in a weird way that you almost have to feel like you're if you're Kansas, you're playing with the house's money. Like, okay, well, our our Dark Horse Heisman candidate's gonna be out for a while. Like, and we're already like five and one. Like, you know, you don't need yep. to you don't have to win these games. It's already like a successful season. <laughs> it was a successful season in like week four because you already hit your over. <laughs> So just absolutely shredded the over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, you know, Kansas is building and it actually seems like they are building something. So maybe this season isn't, you know, they're not, they're not going to make the playoff. They're probably not going to make the conference championship game, but um, yeah, you know, it's just unfortunate. We'll see. I don't know. I've seen some tweets about who who was ratting this information out from the Kansas locker room and was it even creditable? Cause um, I'm sure Leipold learned who his sources in the, you know, in the locker room were because it seems like that was news that was not true or I, I'm not sure what's going on there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think as a college football fan and a sports fan, you always root for the underdog. You always root for Kansas as a as a Big 12 fan um, who has seen Kansas basketball fans. I'm, I wanted it and now I'm not sure I want it for them to be good at most no, sports. Dude, watching those watching those people pretend to care about football on game yeah. day, you know, I'm happy they got it. It was a cool thing. And it's just like, dude, if they could just win, lose the next seven games, you know, I, I would have preferred Daniels be healthy while they do it because I, you know, I love that guy. The guy is an awesome game. Um, but you know, if they could just go back to not caring about football and stop pretending, mm-hmm. that would be that would be cool for me. 
Yeah, it was a great story, but when I saw their fans doing the wave when they were yep. getting a five and out, you know, like the wave they do in basketball, out like immediately like visceral reaction. I was like, wait, yeah, no, I don't disgusting. I don't want this. No, I don't want this disgusting. anymore. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny for the memes for for like five weeks, for a month and a half, and now it's just like, okay, yeah, it's enough. Yeah, no, I agree. So <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so but you know, DCU and Kansas did not think it preseason, but they're both in the mix, very much in the mix in the conference here in the first what third of the conference play. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, interesting surprises there. So, yeah, moving on, I guess Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Uh, I think a closer game than people thought. Uh, I think Tech gave them a, a, a real solid shot. I mean, they took their swing. Very good shot. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. This conference, man, it's great. I mean. Kansas was supposed to be 10. Tech was supposed to be nine. You know, th- and those were like the definitive tiers. And these teams are out here swinging with anybody. I mean, obviously, Tech do- took down Tech. You you, it, you can't discredit Texas Tech. They, they beat Texas and they took Oklahoma State to the wire. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, you know, not even with a starting quarterback. Like, it's it's impressive what they've got going on there. Dude, that guy, uh, uh, Morton, Baron Morton, that guy can sling it, man. He, he looks, he looks good, dude. I think they should just, I think they should just roll with him. You know, he, I mean, he looks as good as, uh, you know, Donovan, Donovan Smith runs super hot and cold to me. Tyler Shuck. I've never really been a fan of, I mean, this guy showed you that he can play. He just came out there against Oklahoma state, arguably the best defensive line. One of the best defenses in the conference. Um, put up 31 points they outgained oklahoma state you know i mean it was just like if you if you if you just look at the box store um it's a game maybe tech has a really good argument that they you know could have maybe should have won it um i mean tech scored 31 on oklahoma state defense and they scored was it like 37 on texas on texas that's i mean we just played texas and and we have a solid offense and we saw what they did i mean that's really impressive um they just shut out oklahoma i mean damn like (laughs) like, yeah (laughs) And how did Morton get into the game? Was that injury or was that? No, he started. He, he started. started. Okay. So I think uh, I think Smith might have gotten a little bit hurt against Texas, or maybe got mm-hmm. maybe got something in practice during the week or something. But no, he he started the game, dude. He came out and like they they went right down the field on the first drive. It was like a classic Texas Tech like fourteen play, you know, 70, 75 yard drive where. Yeah, uh, they're just getting up there, like throwing little swing. Like they threw, I think at one point, three straight screens in a row, wide receiver screens to the right side of the field in a row, just because you know Oklahoma State's playing seven yards off the ball, and they're just like, okay, mm-hmm. Morton's just like bang, bang, um, and then he threw a freaking dime for the touchdown on 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 that drive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the apparently the dude, he's a redshirt freshman. He was super highly recruited. I think he's maybe the highest rated quarterback recruit they've ever had, mm-hmm. and so. I mean, you can imagine if Nico Marchio uh, came into a game and, and lit it up and put up 31 points like that, you know, I'd, I'd say I'd be disappointed if we didn't just keep riding with him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, he's already burned his red shirt. So, hey, mm-hmm. like, just let's let's see what the kid can do, man. Let him take his lumps. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just looking around results and, and watching, you know, condensed versions of these games and all this. Yep. I'm like, are we – we have a great offense. Are we the worst team in this comp? I mean, there's so many teams that are, or, or like you said, the tiers are just so jumbled together. Like yeah. the separation from like the third to the tenth best team is like, and I, you know, I don't even know is Oklahoma State the best team? Um, is Texas? You know, maybe they're one and two, something like that. But man, this conference is crazy, and it's always talked about in a bad way when you talk about parity in a conference. They're like, oh, they're gonna eat, beat each other up. 
Um, they talk about this in basketball all the time, or I, I just remember thinking about it. It's like, yeah, that you're going to beat each other up. There's going to be no number one seed or there's going to be no college football playoff team, but there's no nights off. And I think as a fan, that's way more cool than like, hundred percent, you know, like ACC basketball or something like, yeah, you got to play Duke. You got to play North Carolina, but then you get like Boston college. You get like, there's, there's like so many free nights where you're playing like the 180th best team. And I saw a lot of, uh, I forget which uh, which metric it was, but the Big Twelve had all ten teams in the top fifty in yep. uh, college football. I mean, that's there are no no weeks off. I think that's like, super exciting as a as a fan. Uh, I don't care about the playoff more or less. It's 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 a lot like Big Twelve basketball, right, man? I mean, you know, uh, we me and my buddies were kind of talking about that in our little text thread over the weekend, where it's just like, dude, we're. Uh, you know, we're not, we don't have the best, we don't have any team that is one of the best teams in the country. Um, but we are by far the most interesting conference. I mean, really, you know, sadly, fuck through five games. Um, you could make an ar- argument that if there is a gimme in the conference, that it might be us. It's, it's us or Iowa state, maybe Oklahoma right now. Right. Like I, I, <laughs> I feel like if you're doing tiers, that's the bottom tier right there is, is yeah, three us. To assign so, them, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you, there, yeah, there's there are no gimmies. There's no unbeatable teams, and that makes for, and it and it's not that there's bad teams. It's just it, it just makes for a really exciting, really exciting conference play, man. I mean, we were we were kind of on it over the summer. I don't think we even realized that it would be this this congested, um, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun next month and a half for sure. Definitely, yeah. So last game we last game of the week was Kansas State Iowa State. A Big Ten slugfest, and this is Iowa State, not Iowa, not Iowa, because I saw the 10-9 scoreline. I was like, wait, was that an Iowa game? Um, This is Iowa State, K-State. So, yeah, 10-9 comes down to the wire. One of those games where, you know, literally at any point in the game, if there is a busted play or bad turnover or something, that could be it. Uh, I mean, Martinez continues to put up the numbers, 250 through the air, 80 on the ground. Um, You know, not a lot of highlights in this game, but you know, formidable defenses and, you know, got to gotta get the conversions and the points when you can get them. So um, I don't know if this changes my perceptions too much about either of these teams. I think no. you know, K-State has maybe a high ceiling, but also has, you know, uh, maybe a, a middle to low floor. So, and they, uh, they, Iowa they, State they, can't get their foot in yet. Yeah, Iowa State's defense, man, this back-to-back weeks where, you know, they I think they show they, they can play some football, man. They, you know, they held Kansas to 14 last week, held K-State, um, to uh, to ten this week, I think the only touchdown of the game was an eighty five yard, like you said, busted coverage uh, to either Philip Brooks or Malik Knowles. I can't remember which one. It's on like the third play of the game. It's the only touchdown in the whole game. And disgustingly, I watched every single second of this game because I had I had I had Kansas State money line for for my six game <laughs> parlay. So That's I got one. Oh, it was just gross, dude. I'm just sitting, <laughs> sitting there with a fucking bottle of bourbon next to me, um, just just for no reason at all. You know, just mm-hmm. you, you talk about talk about bye weeks. I guess there's no bye weeks when you're when you're a degenerate. But um, I had I had Oklahoma State minus nine and a half too. So sweated that game out as well. It was just a, it was a nervy last half of the day for me on Saturday Saturday yeah. evening. But but we hit it. Hey, we hit it. So right, um, there we go. So it's good there. <laughs> but yeah, just a, just an ugly game. I think it shows. I mean, K State. You know, kind of their reputation for a long time has been they can kind of they can kind of win ugly if they need to, and and they did it there. Um, I still think they're dangerous when all things are clicking because Martinez just gives them kind of a kind of a, a variable that not many other teams have. But 
Yeah. I don't know. Iowa State's offense is just a disaster right now, but the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games, I think. Yeah. Yep. I, I get the same impression of them. I, you know, I mean, also young quarterback still figuring things out there. Um, you know, that's interesting situation, I think, for Matt Campbell, where they're at in that mm-hmm. program of kind of not capitalizing on the peak year. And now sort of this is a, a new build. Um, so interesting to see where that goes with Iowa State. Yeah, like you said, somebody's got to, you know, somebody's got to lose these games. Everyone's, you know, somewhat similar in this conference, but someone's got to lose them right now. We don't have a win. We're 0 and 2. Oklahoma's 0 and 3. Iowa State's 0 and 3. You know, like I said, someone's got to lose them. Those teams might still be fine throughout the the rest of the year, but um, that's where we it's, stand right now. It's it's funny that you can uh, you can get a feel for how teams are uh, performing just based on how on fire their Twitter, their 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 fan bases on Twitter, like. Oklahoma is ready to just like bring, you know, Lincoln Riley, but you know, they're ready to fire Brent Venables right now. Iowa state's a little bit itchy, a little twitchy, mm-hmm. not as bad as us, but like, we're no. definitely the three most, uh, you know, where, where people are, uh, hashtag mad online about pretty much every, everything that is coming out about anything is it, just yeah. like, just, just outrage feel at this point about those three programs. So definitely. You know. definitely. All right. Let's, let's do a little, uh, let's do a little precap. Um, 12 o'clock slate, we have Iowa State, the uh, presumed worst team in the conference, because I'm not ready to say that about us, traveling to number 22, Texas, freshly ranked again. Uh, Texas, 15 and a half point favorites. Um, that's a lot of points. Uh, I don't know. What are you, what are you, uh, what, what are you, what are you feeling about that one? I think this is Texas out of old. This is the game that they would blow. It's like you get yeah. the momentum and then you just blow one absolutely out of nowhere. Um, you know, Iowa State's got their back against the wall at this point. 0-3 looking at 0-4 in the conference. Texas, I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, tickets for this game as low as $2. So, you know, they're clearly going to show out at DKR. But I don't know. Texas just looks really good right now. Um, I, I don't see I don't see that Iowa State's going to be able to compete too, too closely in this game. I... I, I can I can see him slowing Texas down, but I, I don't see them scoring, man. You know, they, they scored 11 against Kansas two weeks ago. They scored nine against Kansas State. And I think Texas might have, you know, they're right there with Oklahoma State, I think, as the best defenses I've watched in the conference. I think that's kind of the difference is mm-hmm. uh, with, with Texas this year is is that they have that offensive firepower. But, man, the defense is, is kicking ass right now. Um, you know, I could see <laughs> I could see them covering 15 and a half scoring 20 points really you know like this could be like a like a 24 to 3 kind of like an oklahoma state west virginia game last year where where they just come out and absolutely suffocate iowa state and just kind of take care of business as much as they need to on offense and nice nice short game get get out of there and and get on to the next one yeah no i mean i think this is probably the least interesting of the weekend slate for me but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like how is iowa state going to score points i that i i I think you're right there it's just can they can they keep pace with texas probably not no, no way. All right, other 12 o'clock game, we have 19 Kansas. So I love that, you know, Kansas, they were frisky enough that they deserve to stay ranked. You know, if you thought that they were the 19th best team last week, they didn't do anything on, on Saturday to, uh, you know, embarrass themselves or, or dissuade yeah. anybody from from thinking that about them. So I like that they just kind of stayed where they were. Um, going to Oklahoma, going to Norman, Oklahoma seven-point favorites. Um and, you know, I think a lot of this line is based on Jalen Daniels being out. I'd be really curious to see what the line would be if he was fully healthy, if he didn't get hurt last week. 
Um, that being said, I don't think Dylan Gabriel is healthy either. So, yeah. Um, and you know, Jesus, if, if you ever have the chance to start a third string pick quarterback, don't, don't do it. Hard pass. Mm-mm. Cause God, Bevel looked awful against Texas. Yeah. Um, and Kansas is, Kansas defense is not bad. They're not bad. They have a really good pass rush. Um, they have good dudes on the outside at corner. I think Kenny Logan might've gotten hurt against, uh, against TCU. I don't know how bad that was, but, um, but yeah, man, I mean, if, if Bevel doesn't make some big strides or if Dylan Gabriel doesn't come back, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, Kansas could, Kansas could win this game for sure. I think, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I will say I'm, I was halfway rooting for the Kansas thing, and then now I was taking it back. But I'm still going to root against them versus the SEC team. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm oh, pulling for Kansas in this one. 100. Um, man, just absolute wild card at quarterbacks for both teams of like who's playing and what that means. Because like Daniels to Bean, I think significant, and Gabriel to whoever the hell else they're throwing out there is very <laughs> significant. Gabriel was looking good in some of the early games I watched him, and you know, it's like. I don't know. I, I feel like it's hard to judge from that. Oklahoma just scored zero points versus Texas. Um, Kansas has held Iowa State to like 11 points. So, you know, they have some defensive, you know, game that they've, they've leaned on. So I, I don't know. I, kind of a wild card. I understand why you know, Oklahoma is the favorite. I'm interested, personally, interested to see what Memorial Stadium looks like with an 0-3 in conference Oklahoma. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested if the, the Boomer Sooner faithful are out there because um yet hard to get excited when you're 0-3 and you're bringing Kansas to town um I that's that's honestly what I'm most intrigued to see yeah yeah I you know I wouldn't hate to see some empty seats out there you know I don't I don't I don't feel very sorry for Oklahoma at all uh about anything um I think gambling perspective I I probably won't touch this um yeah I don't I don't like the points one way or another. I don't like the money line one way or another. Like you said, it's just too much variance, man. Jason Bean, for as good as he looked at times against TCU, he also threw a pick. pick I mean, one of the worst interceptions that I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, I think you stay away from that one, Uh, which brings us to the 330 kick, which I will absolutely be dialed in for. Um, Number eight, Oklahoma State uh, traveling to Fort Worth to play the 13th ranked undefeated TCU Horn Frogs TCU three and a half point favorites. What do you think, man? This is really interesting. You know, this is like the I think that, you know, everyone's going to be interested to see the TCU offense versus the Oklahoma State defense. Yeah. Um I imagine this is by far the the, the best defense TCU is going to have faced um and probably the best offense Oklahoma State is going to have faced. So, um I was very surprised to see TCU getting the nod from Vegas. I would have called this a push or Oklahoma State by a couple points. Um, Very interested to see that TCU is getting the nod there, but super intriguing matchup. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at the some of the... Let me look at the composite nerd rankings here. So Oklahoma State. Nerds with six, their calculators here. The mathletes. Yeah, Oklahoma State, 16th in the composite. So uh, most metrics like them except beta rank. Beta rank has them pretty low. And then uh, TCU sitting at 15th. So I guess, you know, the nerds have them TCU by a hair there. So And then at home, four points, I guess that makes sense. But I don't know, just from my personal perception of things, I would have thought Oklahoma State would have 
uh, would have been favored here. But yeah, this is an exciting matchup. And, you know, first place or winner of this really kind of gets the driver's seat first place 3-0 and in the conference with a big win that's probably going to matter in like October. So yeah, this is definitely the matchup to watch. I really hope that the referees um, let these teams play. These are two teams that grab the shit out of people on the outside and very like very notoriously for as long as we've been in the Big 12, right? Um, and it's just, you know, I, I hope that they, they let it go both ways. Um, not to the point where it's ruining the game, where like, you know, there's blatant holding that's not being called. But I don't want it to be like, okay, this has happened 10 times and we're going to call the 11th one and it's going to swing the game kind of thing, you know? Um, man, yeah, I don't okay. know. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, okay. Okay. State was handsy last year. Dude, I just remember like, jamming everything Dude. definitely more than five yards downfield. But. Yeah. TCU, TCU is the same way. They were doing that same shit to, to Kansas last week. That was the first time I'd watched a full game of TCU. Um, they did that shit to David Sills and Gary Jennings and those boys back in the day too. Um, and you know, we're the ones who end up getting called for offensive PI, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't know. TCU Twitter seems to think that, that home home field, Max Dugan, uh, Max Duggan is a, is a real thing. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe get a little groundswell there. I don't know, man. TCU just has playmakers everywhere. Dude, they, the, yeah. the receivers are as good as advertised. Um, the running backs, man, Zach, like Zach Evans, Awesome player. They don't miss him at all, dude, because Kendra Miller is awesome. Amari DiMarcado, that the transfer from I think Louisiana in a row, who who we kind of called out in the uh in the deep dive over the summer. That dude's that dude's been awesome. Um they have playmakers everywhere. And then and on, on top of it, Duggan, I mean, sh- there were there were four or five plays against against uh Kansas where JT Daniels is definitely getting sacked. Right. And, and Duggan just gets out of it and runs for 10, 15 yards, picks up a first down. So, um, yeah, they have a lot of weapons, man. They have a lot of weapons. I, I will just give you one counterpoint is that TCU might have not played, m- might not have a uh, air quote quality win yet. They beat Colorado, who might be the worst P5 team ever. Yep. SMU, not good. Tarleton, whatever. Oklahoma might be very ass. Trash. Yeah. Kansas without Jalen Daniels for a good portion of the game. I'm just saying. Oh, you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that this would be, you know, obviously by far the most impressive one. Oklahoma State lost some guys from last year, lost a lot of guys from last year, but they are a lot more like proven team. Um, and, and so, I don't know. That's what I said. I guess I'm just a little surprised to see TCU getting the Vegas nod. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be an exciting game to watch. Yep. Yep. Very pumped for it, which brings us to – Texas Tech. Oh wait, no. Texas Tech and Kansas. Is there another Big Twelve game this week? There has to be at least one more, right? No, it's just a Big East Thursday night game. <laughs> <laughs> Baylor traveling to Milan Pushkar Stadium. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. It's going to be fifty-six degrees. There's going to be a little bit of rain in the area early day. That's all going to get out of there. It's going to be a beautiful night for football as the West Virginia Mountaineers host the three and two Baylor Bears. So Baylor comes in three and two. They've never won in Morgantown. Uh, we've won in Waco. It's not a big deal. It's just you know the way that things have played out over the last ten years. Um, with losses to Oklahoma State, uh, which I think they lost by like ten. Um, Oklahoma State was in control for most of that game. It felt like, and then they lost. I think it was at the season opener, like a weird ten o'clock kickoff at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, they've beaten. I think they beat Texas State. They beat 
Iowa State and Albany. Iowa State and Albany. So, you know, Iowa State not good. Albany, uh, I assume not good. Basically, they've 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 lost their two hard games. They've won their three easy games. Um, what is your perception of Baylor through five games? Are they better, or worse? About what you expected? Um, what are your thoughts, sir? So, in a um, so just on on paper, if you're looking at the schedule and you're looking at you know who they've played and the results. Tell me this doesn't sound like West Virginia. Just just follow with me for a second. G5, or sorry, uh, FCS team, blow them out. Early season on the road against a ranked opponent, lose by a touchdown. You then go and play another P5 team, beat them. Not probably a very good P5 team, beat them. Then you lose by... They lose by eleven. You could you could to Oklahoma State. You could compare this to West Virginia losing in overtime to to Kansas, losing to a ranked team, pretty close game. And then they beat Texas State, a G five team, whatever. We didn't play a G five team. Um, no, we played we played actual Texas. We played actual Texas. So the State they, University of Texas. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you look at the schedule for Baylor, their best win is Iowa State. Iowa State has not been great. Albany, Texas State, they don't count to me. BYU, you know, early season, it, it was the second week of the season, but early season, like you said, weird late kickoff. You know, you go on the road and you lose a close one. And at the time, it was like, these are two good teams. And this was a you know close-fought game. Um, you know, I don't think BYU kind of been exposed since then. Um, you know, they're coming off a – I know they just lost a tough one to Notre Dame. Um, and I think they lost another, like, questionable one maybe a week or two ago. So – um, you know, BYU might not be as good as we thought. They, uh, I don't know. And then the Oklahoma State game was a weird one, though, because this, this is the one where it's like, did they perform well or did they, you know, they obviously lost by two scores, but weird game. You know, they, they lost a turnover battle. They had a, Oklahoma State had a special teams touchdown. Um, you know, Baylor was inside their 10 and went over on downs. All that to say, though, Oklahoma State or Baylor actually outgained them by like a hundred yards and had more yards per rush and more yards per pass. So that that's kind of the game that I'm just not sure how to judge at this point is like, was, are they like right there and we're going punch for punch? Um, or, you know, was that just a weird variance game that I, I'm not sure how to think about that. So I don't know. Baylor is, is kind of a little bit wild card to me. Um, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but I don't know where they are lying in between that and, maybe where people think West Virginia is this year. Yeah. I, I like what you did with the comparison there. Cause that's, I've been thinking about that a lot where it's just like, you know, we, you could say that we've done the same thing, right? We've, we've won our easy games and we, we lost our, you know, can't throw out the Kansas game, but we, we lost on the road at Pitt to open the season. And then we got, we got housed by Texas and, you know, so we're two and three, they're three and two. Like the, I don't, see a lot of difference in the games i think you know in in when we were doing the deep dives when they were kind of picked as as the media um you know the preseason media favorite i I just wasn't buying it i think i even took them they were they were over under seven and a half on the year and i think i said under at seven and at seven and five um just because you know this team had like 15 nfl dudes last year and they still have like six of those guys but the dudes that they lost Tyquan Thornton, Treston Ebner, Abram Smith on the defensive side of the ball, Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, um, basically the entire secondaries in the NFL, you know? And so 
I think what we've seen this year is just about what I've expected, where they're a very well-coached team. They're really good in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but they just don't have the the pop, the playmaking um, that they had last year. I'm looking in the notes here uh, that, that you, I think you actually put this note. They were plus 14 in turnovers last year. Um, and they're net zero this year, right? Where that's, I think yeah. that's where you, you look at that and you're like, geez, they just, they just, they have good players. They just don't have uh, game changers that they, that they had last year. Um, so I don't know. I think this is, this is about where I expected them to be. You know, um, I think there's still a handful of wins on their schedule. I think there's still a handful of losses. I don't know. I think, I yeah. think they're a good team. But yeah, yeah, and if you had to pick the over under seven and a half right now, you did go under. I picked over. This was one of the only two that we were different on. Yep. Um, so you know, I think as of right now, maybe this is kind of the inflection point of like I still don't feel like I have enough information on Baylor to really know like what this team actually is. But yeah, no, I think the turnover thing was big. They were plus fourteen last year. If you think turnovers are are largely part of some function of luck. Um, then you, you know, with regression right now, they're, they're at zero. You said the net right now, and you know, they're not looking as dominant as last year. So I, I think this team, you also mentioned being well coached. I think when you look at a lot of their like stats and also when you watch them play, I, I know we both have used the same word to describe them a few times of just like not having that pop. They don't pop off the screen to you. They don't like allow big plays. They don't produce big plays. They're really good in the trenches. They're really like fundamental, but I'm not sure that they have like the playmaker, like go make a play, you know, bust a long run, go steal an interception, something like that. It just seems like they are very well coached, but maybe I don't want to say under talented because I don't know if that's correct, but they're definitely not as talented, I think, as they were last year. I, th- I think they're, I think they're, yeah, their big regression has been in the skill positions on, on both sides of the ball. Um, and let's, I mean, shoot, let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, so offensively, and it's weird because I actually think they've upgraded, they've upgraded a quarterback. Um, so offensively they're, they're number 24 in beta rank. Um, pretty, pretty balanced across the board. I mean, you know, they're pretty good effective rush, pretty good effective pass. Um, they want to run the ball super heavy outside zone team. Um, I think they're, they're 50%, 57% run overall, like 61% on first down. So, um, definitely want to run the ball. They're 76% zone run too. So definitely heavy outside zone. And then they have that, that Jeff Grimes play action bootleg game off of it where, you know, they get that run going, they get in those second and medium, third and mediums. And they, you think they're running a stretch play. And all of a sudden here comes Blake Sims or Ben Sims out the, at the back end for, you know, a, a seven yard gain and a first down. Um, but yeah, you just you, you start a quarterback, Blake Shapin, who you know is the guy who encouraged them to to tell uh, Gary Bohannon to walk. He's been the top graded passer in the Big Twelve through uh, through five games. You know he's completing sixty nine percent of his passes, eight yards per attempt, so he's pushing the ball downfield pretty well. Um, nine touchdowns to to just three interceptions, and and only four turnover worthy plays and one hundred fifty seven dropbacks. So you know, um, I think Shapin has been. As good as advertised, you know, I kind of questioned it a little bit because I, I thought Bohannon was a good player last year. Um, I know we talked about it a good bit uh, in our in our deep dive, um, but he's been good, man. What have, what have you been seeing out of Shapin? Yeah, he's been solid this year. I mean, he's really stepped up into the role. And, you know, let's not forget, I guess he did step into like the Big 12 title game and got yeah. to win the thing. 
Um, but yeah, still, you know, Bohannon looked solid and definitely I test. I would have said Bohannon was the better quarterback last year as well. I watched him play West Virginia and it wasn't pretty. I mean, he, uh, he scalped us. So it was, it was rough. It was, you know, it was, they, they tore us apart that game. So, you know, I think when you look at this offense too, it's just the profile is very similar to the West Virginia offense. Um, if you're looking at PFF, you know, the, the receivers, and the run, the running backs, kind of the skill positions are, you know, the, the lower graded positions. The blocking is kind of your better, your pass and run block. And yeah, a little surprised to see, but, um, you know, the quarterback for, for Baylor is getting a higher rating than um, JT Daniels. So, you know, that's, you know, kudos to Shaven. He's been having a solid season. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's the best quarterback in the conference. I don't know where you put Jalen Daniels in that conversation, where you put, whoever Texas is trying to like, I don't know, but he's been up there. He's in the conversation as good as anybody this year so far, um, you know, from, from what they play, but we did just talk about, you know, some of the, they have two kind of free games right now. We only have like three real data points. I feel like on them and that's BYU, um, Oklahoma state and Iowa state. So, so far so good. You know, I think this guy can definitely, um, definitely can, can pick a secondary apart. I think the thing that gives me a little bit of confidence is you haven't seen it as much from the receivers where Texas like was just 30 yards wide open. And, you know, I think a good bit of that was, you know, double moves the receivers were running good routes. They were, you know, I, I think they really ripped our secondary apart. Um, I, I don't know that Baylor's receivers can really hold up. I don't think they're anything comparable to what we saw with Texas. Yeah, I think, you know, the one concern just in terms of pass capper, catchers, uh, so, so they have Monterey Baldwin. He's going to kind of be their deep threat. Um, he and Gavin Holmes are, are number one and two in the conference in yards per catch. They're both right around 22. Both of those guys play most of their snaps out of the slot. Um, and then their leading target guy is, is Ben Sims. He was first team all conference tight end um, in the Big 12. He has 23 targets. He's caught 20 of them, so 87% catch rate. Only like seven point. You know, seven between seven and eight, I can't remember exactly between seven and eight yards per reception. So nothing crazy there, but th- he's just one of these dudes who's always effing open. You know, it's kind of like I said, like if it's third and six, he's going to get seven. If it's if it's second and five, he's going to get six. He's just one of those dudes. Um, and so I think that's the concern there. Their outside dudes definitely do not worry me the way that Texas is did. Um, Hal Presley, Seth Jones out there, uh, 34 combined targets. So. They don't. They don't look at those guys a ton. I think it, it's going to be the between the hash kind of stuff that 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 we really have to, you know, be be wary of with these guys. It's it's Sims in those in those stick, you know, third down and X to gain, and then Baldwin and Holmes on you know maybe on like a second and five. You know, maybe they get five on first down, and we're expecting them to get. Um, you know, to run it again and they take a shot to one of those guys. I think those are kind of the two things we need to be wary of because obviously our secondary has struggled. Our linebackers have struggled in coverage a little bit. Um, but yeah, in general, they definitely don't have the talent at, at, at the wide receiver position that, that Texas did. Yeah. And I, I won't say that this team is worse at drops because West Virginia does have more drops on the season. But if you look at the drop percentage of uh, their top target guys, so Ben Sims, you said his top target guy, and then Presley um, is coming right underneath that. So that's 23 and 19 targets. But listen to your next four guys. You got 15, 15, 14, 14. And the drop percentage for those guys is 14%, 22%, 27%, 20%. Yep. Um, so 
actually got some yips there in like the, you know, the not primary guys. You know, West Virginia, if you want a comparison, Bryce Ford Wheaton is at 10, Caden Prather at 9.7, Sam James at 9.1. So, um, you know, I said three of those guys were up above 20% drop percentage. So, um, you know, I think that just kind of speaks to maybe, maybe you have a team that is is not going to, like I said, I just don't think the skill players are comparable to what we just faced in Texas. So I'm hoping that our secondary um, (laughs) is going to be able to hold up to the task because, I know we're not getting Charles Wood back. Charles Woods back this week. I uh, we are. I'm. I think our whole defense is is waiting on that because hopefully that can you know sort some things out. And give us one sure side of the field and, and you know maybe allow us to you know be a little little different in play calling. I don't know. Get these boys some consistent help. Yeah. No. Uh, you know. So uh, I, I do want to call out man the running back uh, Richard Reese, true freshman, has been. Pretty solid. The guy kind of came out of nowhere. I think we were all kind of thinking that it would either be, you know, Craig Williams or Tay McWilliams who would uh, who would step in and take over. But it's actually been Richard Reese, just a decisive like one cut dude, perfectly suited for the outside zone. Um, you know, he, he's got 72 carries, 400 some yards. I think that's like five and a half a carry, seven touchdowns, three and a half yards after contact, 17 missed tackles forced. It's a very solid, very solid true freshman campaign, you know, where. I think the yards after contact and missed tackles force tell you that, you know, he's not just feasting behind uh, this offensive line. Um, Guys actually out there making some plays. Um, Other two guys aren't as good running the ball. I think uh, the the one thing I want to say, Quaylen Jones, uh, number 28 is, is uh, I think maybe there he's one of the dudes with 14 targets. So um, he's the pass catcher out of the backfield. We'll need to watch if you see 28 come in the game. I think he's been targeted more than he's actually ran the ball, or maybe it might be pretty even. Um, but decent backs, um, decent receivers. I think you uh, you said it though. The, the strength of the offense is is definitely shaping a quarterback, and then the offensive line has just been uh, as good as advertised. Um, you know, they have the reigning offensive uh, alignment of the year, Connor Galvin. He's actually grading out worse than anybody else, any of the other starters right now. I think he's like a 61.7 on PFF. Um, they have Jacob Gall at center, who's at like an 85.7. Um, both of their guards, one of their guards is an 82. The other one's at like a 73. And then the other tackle opposite Galvin's at a 74.7. So the offensive line has been, you know, I think we coming in, we kind of thought that maybe they'd have the best offensive and best defensive line in the conference. Definitely on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's borne out. You know, I think um, we're up there for sure, but I think that they're, you know, they're 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 as good as expected. You know, they've kind of been imposing their will. I think um, Neil Brown said it. This is probably the the most physical team offensively that we've played. So, you know, need to bring the big boy pants, man. Need to need to turn the dogs loose on defense. I think. Yeah, no, it's going to be a tough task just because the offensive line has been solid. But yeah, like I said, I think just when I'm looking at this team, just the, the offense, at least the profile is very similar to to West Virginia's offense. Um, if you're talking beta rank, effective rush, they are 25. Effective pass, they're 41. Comparison, we're 31 and 29. So both just like yep. pretty solid, able <clears throat> to move the ball, well-balanced. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, think I'm not... Go ahead. No, I was just say I think even if you look at the the depth profile of uh, JT Daniels to Blake Shapen, um, you know the percentage of passes attempted at, at kind of each level of the field, they're all within like one or two percent of each other. So um, Shapen's like eleven percent, twenty plus yards. 
26% between 10 and 19, 44% between zero and nine, and 15% behind the line of scrimmage. All of those are exactly in line with JT Daniels. So, you know, it's going it, to, it, 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 like you said, it's, you know, it's, it, it's going to be not quite like looking in the mirror, but you're going to see a lot of the same kind of throws being made, I think, uh, from this team that you would see from us. Yeah. Yeah. So any uh, matchup or anything specifically you're looking for in the, when uh, Baylor has the ball? I mean, I think we, we've kind of said it, dude. I, I don't think these guys have the, the skill position weapons to, to beat us over the top, to go over the top of this way, the way that Texas did. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, I think, you know, stop the run. The outside zone is foundational to everything that they do. Um, like I said, I think 76% of their rushing attempts are zone plays. Um, a lot of what they do is, is play action bootleg. If they're able to establish the run, it's play action bootleg off, off of, uh, off of those outside zone plays. So, you know, stop the run. And I think you, you have a really good chance of slowing this team down. Um, conversely, if you let them establish the run, then, you know, it's, it's, could be could be a little bit of a shit show because you know you let them get in second and third and manageable the whole playbook's open that's when that's when they're at their best so yeah what about you yeah I, I think kind of a similar tone would just be like the the discipline and the ability to stop the run with the appropriate amount of guys in the box because yeah, like you said they love the play action yep. and you know not overcommit because if the runs rolling, I mean this, you know, this is just how football works. If the runs working, and you know, you start having to cheat some guys up and keep eyes on that, I don't think we feel as confident about our secondary, especially in like specific one-on-one situations. So, um, you know, being able to stop the run with a front six and not having to load the box with eight, something like that, um, and yeah, just kind of stay staying in your lane and not overcommitting because yeah this is when you watch the Baylor team especially last year yeah i feel like that like bootleg play action you know it just is what kills you and that that's the big chunk play um so yeah i i think you know i think this is not as good of an offense as texas and that's that's good after what we just watched so um i i think we can match up well i think this is a a team that i can see moving the ball against us i can also see us you know, if we have the run defense like we did against Virginia Tech and sort of force them to be one dimensional, um, I think that that is a, you know, that would be a, a path to victory for sure for us. Man, I I just want to say, like, I really want us to 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 take the shackles off the defense a little bit, man. I think you've seen we have several guys. Uh, Jake and I talked about it a little bit on the, the Texas uh, pod. We have we have guys who are athletic and look really good when they're attacking downhill who look significantly less good when you're asking them to sit back in a zone and look at six different keys to try and figure out where their responsibility is on a given play. Um, Lee Kogba is one. Hershey McLaurin is one. Marcus Floyd is one. Um, all of these guys, man, when, when they know where they're going, they get there in a hurry and they put dudes on the ground. Um, and the problem is, is that they just haven't looked like they've known where they're going enough. And so like, dude, you know, and I, I really, I, I take exception. Um, you know, I want to say before the season, Neil said, you know, we run a lot of zone and that sucks because you can only rush four or five um, when you run zone. And that's, that's not true. That's not true. Zone blitzes are a thing. Tony mm-hmm. Gibson yeah. made his name exactly. on zone blitzes out of the three, three, five. Dude, we sent six, seven guys all the time and ran zone. Um, and it worked really well for a long time because you don't give the guy, 
Like when you yeah. rush four and run a zone, the guy has four seconds to to decide where to go to the ball. The the whole you and so you know I, I I'm not going to get into a whole rant about about this whole. I mean, I guess I already am. I'm already halfway through the rant. I want us to take the shackles off. I want us to let Lee Kogba go get after the quarterback because, like, holy shit, dude, he spiked he spiked Hudson Card the one time you know a couple mm-hmm. times that we let him get after him. Um, I want to see us get Hershey McLaurin in the box playing downhill a little bit more, like because. You know, maybe maybe even look at him at like a spear because like that dude hits people. They go down. He's missed one tackle this year. He looks great. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just want to see I want to see us start attacking a little bit like, dude, we, we've been sitting back. We've been running this this matchup quarters bullshit and we're still getting beat over the top, uh, which is the entire point of, you know, that's like that's what you're yeah. trying to prevent when you do that. So like sitting back's not working. Let's go after some people. The busts are happening anyway. Let's go after people and create some chaos. Like that's what I, I, I would love to see that. Yeah. And I, I think you made a great point on that last pod, just, a, a, you know, kind of flushing out that conversation of, um, yeah, it's, if you're getting beat over the top when you're dropping guys, you got to change things up. I mean, if you play Madden, you understand this. If, if you're getting picked apart, you have to, you know, by long, deep routes, you have to get to the quarterback before there's time. Um, for those routes to develop, you know, if we're, if you're getting beat on passes that are 20 some 30 yards down the field, you don't give time for the quarterback to sit in the pocket and let that route develop. I mean, that's just, that's how you counter that. So I agree. I would like to see, um, a little more pressure brought. I mean, frankly, like I, I I don't think we can sit back and stop the pass. So don't give them time to develop long passing routes. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a good point. So all right, so you want to flip the field when West Virginia has the ball? Talk about Baylor D. Let's do it. So Baylor, Baylor D, forty um, ninth in beta rank, um, pretty solid across the board. I think um, <clears throat> you know the one uh, the one area where I kind of saw, and we, we've kind of touched on it. It kind of backs up some of the other stuff we've said. Not nearly as many negative plays or negative drives as they had a year ago, and that just kind of speaks to that. Um, you know, the, the lack of playmaking on the back end, they're very, but on the other side of things, I see you have the note in here too. <clears throat> explosive plays, they're eighth. Um, and I actually have the number here. They've allowed 23 explosive plays. So that's 10 plus yard runs, 20 plus yard passes. They've allowed 23 of them in 342 de- defensive snaps, which is 6.7%, which in a, in a given year is going to be top 10 every single year in terms of explosive play rate. So like, these guys aren't they're, they're they're preventing big plays, but they're not creating negative plays. Um, and so it's like this kind of thing where like you just have to be slow and steady, but you can move the ball on these guys. That's kind of my perception. I don't know. What are you uh, what are you thinking? Same thing. Yeah, it's it's like we were talking about like well coached team, but maybe not overly talented team. It's yeah. you look at the numbers, they're a hundred and third beta rank um, in negative drives for defense. So you know, teams are, you're not getting like turnovers. They're not moving you backwards. And, you know, I think an absolutely perfect compliment to that West Virginia is West Virginia offense is third in negative rank, which means we don't go backwards. We generally aren't yep. having like turnovers at inopportune times. We are, you know, able to stay on schedule. And this is a team that last year's like bread and butter was getting you off schedule especially with the, you know, the defensive front. And I'm not really sure like what has happened differently because 
you know, I have in my notes, and I remember we talked about in the, in the deep dive for Baylor was like, this D-line is insane, and they're probably like slightly better because they just get, came all back. So I'm not really sure like what was the, the miss there of like why this defense is so different. Um, but yeah, that not allowing the explosive play. So I feel like maybe a disciplined team, a well-coached team that is just not having the, the playmakers or skill, you know, like position guys to, to go up and make crazy plays. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that is like sort of, you know, kind of jumping ahead of just like the matchup to watch mm-hmm. it. I think that's a beautiful compliment of like, this is a team that you can stay on schedule against. Yep. Teams have been doing it all year. And that is what, like our offense, that is the best thing we are at. We do not take long, deep sacks. We don't have all these big negative plays. You know, we have a lot of plays that just, if you if you subscribe to the success rate theory in college football or in football in general, like this is a team that you can have a high success rate against. Keep it in third and manageable. Keep the ball moving. Keep these drives rolling. So um, that's kind of what's standing out to me initially is sort of the the weakness or, or maybe the, you know, the key for us to to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. I think I I would put on top of that, so obviously with CJ out, um, I think underrated, Michael Laughlin got hurt against Texas as well. Um, And so, you know, I I think we're going to have to get creative around how we we kind of game plan around those two being out. Um, The one thing I kind of saw, so they're they're two linebackers, uh, Dylan Doyle and and Matt Jones, both very productive. the, the three safeties, uh, Devin Lemire, Al Walcott, Christian Morgan, all very productive. None of them are, D- are Jalen Peachy or, or Terrell Bernard, right? And I think that's kind of like you're asking what's the difference is it's they don't have that pop at the second level. I mean, Jalen Petrie had like, you know, 20 tackles for a lot. The, the, the guy was unbelievable last year. Um, and all of these guys, as productive as they are, they'll, they'll let you complete some passes. And so I think, you know, figuring out ways to – Dude, how often do we hear? I mean, we were kind of making a joke out of it in our in our group chat today about how if you go back to Missouri 2019, Neil Brown's talking about how well you know pre snap motion, all this stuff. We uh, you just really threw us for a loop or whatever. And then if you go back to 2017, Troy, well, this is pre snap motion. You know, credit to them. And it's just like all these effing teams, like. It works against us. Why don't we do that kind of stuff? You know, why aren't we motioning Bryce Ford Wheaton from wide left to a slot position to the point where now Bryce Ford Wheaton is is man up on a linebacker? Um, you know, and so I think getting creative, trying to manufacture some 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 uh, some mismatches where you know we have Sam James on a linebacker, we have Bryce Ford Wheaton on a linebacker. Um, I think getting creative like that, that that's going to be key. Um, and then I also put uh, maybe this is the week we get Garrett Green involved in the running game because. Aside from C.J. Donaldson, who has been more explosive than that guy since he's been on campus? Um, yep. With yep. the ball in his hands in the open field. Nope. Nobody, I, in my opinion. I, I'm just I, I'm waiting for him to like have some kind of slot role where he comes on like a reverse, and he, you know maybe he can actually run some routes from the slot, but also like you throw him in as a gadget, he can throw it, he can run it. I think that's an awesome addition. And also, I just kind of totally agree with all the the Neil Brown talks because every presser goes like this and he goes thank you all for being here uh what it comes down to is we got to get better and uh talks about i have a lot of respect for the other coaching staff and they got good players you know they just they got good players over there he's got that number eight he's great and they're really smart about their scheme and all this stuff 
yeah, it's like, okay, well, he talked about, you know, the thing with Baylor this week about how they, they're so good at manufacturing ma- matchups and, you know, getting the things they want out of it. Let's do that. Let's, let's, Maybe I don't know. Manufacture some MFing matchups, dude. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. Or our, our skill players aren't, I know we are not Texas, but our skill players, they've shown that they can make plays, dude. Like, just, yeah. God. Prather in space is, you know, obviously we know what he can do. Get Garrett Green the ball creatively. That is always an option. Um, yeah. I, I think finding some of these mismatches in this defense, um, Looking at the the second two levels, I mean, I think they're there. This they're is, there, yeah, they're there. Yeah. This is they're a team there. I think we can move the ball against. This is when I saw this line originally, and do you remember the lines? Like three, four and a half. I think, I think it's four and a half. Yeah, Baylor, four and a half. Four and a half to Baylor. You know, I think when I saw that line originally, I was like, hmm, okay, well, maybe Baylor's not that good this year. And then when I really started breaking down the numbers, like looking at Baylor, like a little closer, you know, going back and checking out some games, I'm like. This team is very similar to us. Um, very like balanced. You know, I think the only thing that they have that we don't is probably a better pass defense. Um, but you, yeah, their secondary has been better. Their secondary has been better. But other than that, like I, I think this is Dave. a very like mirror team. And if if our secondary can step up or we can uh, manufacture some matchups in defense, you know, maybe maybe change the tone a little bit, show something that. I forget which game, but where he was talking about, oh, they showed something that wasn't on tape. Well, why don't we show something that wasn't Can- on tape? Kansas, yeah. It's like, dude, what, okay, so go out and run some zone blitzes. That that shit ain't on tape. Nobody's seen us do that before in three years. So, yeah. Go after some people. We don't have to bend. We don't have to bend, but don't break. We've just been breaking this year, dude. Just go go get some cats. Yeah. Uh, man. All right, well... You got a you got a, a good feeling about this game. You got a bad feeling. Do you have a feeling? Well, I mean, I, I you know I haven't had a bad feeling about a game in since like two thousand five, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, so here's what I'd say. This is a this is a very winnable game, and I'm gonna kind of gonna kind of just throw out the lead of of my preview column here. But like my buddy, my buddy. Uh, Andy in in our in our text thread this week just basically said, dude, if we come out flat on ten days rest yeah. at home on a night game against yep. a team that we have to beat that is very beatable, like my mom is going to be devastated by how I behave in public. You know what I mean? Like this is like there is there is no excuse. Baylor is not a better football team than us. You know, maybe marginally marginally here marginally there we're marginally better than them in other places right mm-hmm. um yeah but at, this is, at this night is, in morgantown, at you, night have in morgantown you have to show up there's no reason why we cannot beat this football team is what i would say yeah like there is no reason why we why we can't or should not beat baylor on a thursday beat- night in morgantown we said it about Baylor The okay, they don't have like a signature win. Maybe this would be their, I think maybe either team that wins this could be their best win of the season. For sure. We, th- we talked about it with Neil for however many years at this point. Like it's one thing to be close to winning these games. It's another thing to win these games. You lose this game, you're two and four. You go into like a, you know, a nine day break until the next game or whatever. But I mean, what, what is their line ahead if you can't, find a way to grit this game out this is like keep the fans engaged for the season game 
Um, so, you know, I think it's put up or shut up at this point. If you can't figure it out, you know, this week, I, you know, it's, it could be a really, really long, uh, October and November. So this, this you know, is like, I, I think hopefully there's like that urgency of like, yeah, we don't get any more of those. Oh, it was close kind of game. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no, there's no more goodwill, you know, dude, originally I was kind of writing up the, just like the outline for like this episode. And at the end I had like, is there a scenario where we considered this game a success without a win? And then I just deleted it because fuck no, there's not dude. We like, this is not 10 and two Baylor. It's not a bad Baylor team, Mm -hmm. but it's a beat. It's a very beatable Baylor team, dude. They don't have the weapons to beat us on the outside. Like they're not going to come out and throw the ball like Texas did, which you know I can understand that throwing us for a loop a little bit. At the same time, our secondary sucks. So if you have Texas's weapons, why wouldn't you just try and throw all over us? And, and they did, and they did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Baylor doesn't have that. They're going to come out, and for them to be successful, they have to run the ball on us. It's it's that simple, and it's like a nut up or effing shut up time, dude. Like if we have to come out. Yeah, I le- we I know we like the bandit. The bandit has sucked. Like if we have to go four down all the time and blitz our linebackers to prevent them from running the ball on first down and getting in the second and manageable, then that's what we have to. I'm just so. Uh, I, I will uh, say I I've been a Neil Brown like fucking animated. <laughs> I've been a Neil Brown supporter like the whole climb or whatever, and you know I think I think maybe I'm still, I've in. Been, I'm still in, and I've been I think more in than like the average fan for sure. Um, but if you come out and, and okay, yeah, we have like some injuries, Donaldson, you know, obviously Woods is out. We think O'Laughlin's out. Like we have some, some issues there, whatever. But if you don't come out with at least a creative solution to try to get something done, I, I do feel like what faith do you have that it will ever happen? Like I said, this is a game like you, you must win is like such a stupid term because it's always a different, like you yeah. must win for what, but like this, if, if you don't come out with a creative game plan and if you don't come out, if you come out flat, you know, those are the two things that are just going to absolutely, everyone's just going to check out. If you come out flat and you go down 14, nothing, and there's no like creative, you know, wrinkle in the game plan. Um, it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I just, I don't see when you don't have, you have extra time to prepare and yeah. your backs are firmly against the wall in whatever you think this season can be successful. So, um, that's not, yeah, not to end that, the spot on a sour note, but like, th- this is it. You got, you got yeah, this is, this is not a, a sour note. This is not a sour note. This is a, it's a MF and call to action, dude. Like it, you said it, dude, your back is against the wall. You have 10 days to prepare. Show us something like I am as all in on the, can climb as anybody that I know I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm still in on the climb. Like I'm still out here, like talking about us going, you know, seven and five, eight and four. And I'm only like halfway tongue in cheek about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, (laughs) I'm very much the guy who is like, we're five snaps away from four and oh, Texas kicked our ass. So we're five snaps away from four and one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm that guy. And I know that that, you know, doesn't sit well with a lot of people. A lot of people want Neil Brown to get fired. I'm not one of them. Like this is one of those things where, yeah, 10 days, if you don't come out and, and, and nothing, nothing has changed and we don't play with some sense of urgency. It's going to be, I mean, I'm going to still go to the games, but like you said, it's, it's going to be me and 30,000 other people. It's, it's not going to be a a fun rest of the season. I don't think because if if not now, then when, if not now, then when, 
Exactly. If we hear the same Neil press conference on Thursday night after the game, I'm going to have an aneurysm, dude. I'm going to listen to it and I'll be like, wait, I clicked on last week's and it'll be, if it's the same thing. I mean, like I said, I, I feel like your back's against the wall. You have to claw your way out of the corner at this point. I don't care how it's done, but you got to at least go down swinging. Like I said, you said blitz, have some creative wrinkles with Garrett Green. Have some, you know, you just you got to have something because this is uh, this feels like a very important game for the fan base and for the season. I mean, you lose this game, you're two and four in the season, yep. you're own three in the conference. And what again, are you playing for at that point? Again, again, exactly like last year. Yep. Yep. So, hey, just win. Just win, baby. Just win. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that wraps it for the pod, you know, just, <laughs> I'd say that wraps it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to wrap it up. So, uh, yeah. So get at us on Twitter. Let us know what you think, um, about the, the matchup. We're at West by pod with underscores. I'm Joel Bracken at WV stats guy. He's Jordan Pinto at game day shorts. You can also hit us up on smoking musket.com. Let's go Mountaineers. It's a Thursday night. It's fall weather. The vibes are still fine. You can enjoy a game. That's what college football is about, man. You you can go and have a good time. Buddy, my vibes are going to be exceptional at about 6.30 on Thursday evening. I'll just tell you that right now. So let's go get us a W. Let's go get us a win, man. Let's do it. Thank you guys for listening. We will, we will be back next week. All right. Take care, guys. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.